Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Rx for Biotech, the podcast that performs a deep dive into the biotech ecosystem and prescribes new ways of working for the industry to meet the needs of healthcare providers and patients. The podcast features interviews with the experts and disruptors who share their insights about innovative new treatments and how biotech companies can enhance their organizational launch readiness. I'm your host and producer, Chris Lidley. So we all know by now that the COVID-19 pandemic prompted pharma companies to rethink their organizational strategies, including digital, an area where we know the industry has historically lagged other industries. But the pandemic suddenly forced companies to operate differently and to reevaluate their healthcare provider engagement strategies, strategies and tactics. So in this episode, we are going to dig deeper into the scientific and medical communication space and how healthcare provider education has evolved in the post-COVID pandemic era. Our guests today are Jan Hannon and Lisa Hefner from Blueprint Oncology, a medical communications agency that works with many of the leading biopharma companies. Jan is a veteran expert in professional HCP promotion and education and is the president and one of the partners at Blueprint Oncology. Lisa is a 25-year oncology and hematology education and marketing expert and has really devoted the last 15 years to finding new and thoughtful solutions for life science partners to educate HCP treatment teams and their patients. Yeah, so good morning, Jan and Lisa. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. It's, it's great to have you here. And, and I thought that we'd just jump right into it. And I, I thought I would ask first to have you give a brief overview of Blueprint Oncology and some of the services that you provide to your pharmaceutical clients. So, so Jan, do you want to start with and take that one and maybe Lisa, you could follow up. Sure. And Lisa, please jump in because I'm sure I will forget many things. So um, first, thanks for having us, Chris. We always enjoy working with you. And I guess the, the biggest, uh, the most overall approach to, to looking at our business is we are a medical communications firm. We really try to go into pharmaceutical and biotech companies and explain their, their science to the correct audiences. Uh, as you know, in oncology, which is where we focus, is a very complex, dynamic environment with lots of moving parts and lots of new technology and, and new targets. And we like to go in and very concisely uh, interpret their data for them so it meets the right audience with the right message. You know, our goal is always with the patient in mind. So with that, we, we educate healthcare providers, whether they're physicians, fellows, nurses, caregivers, even, um, and of course, patients as well. So Chris, yeah, like Jan said, thank you so much for having us. You and I have known each other a long time since I was a baby marketer. We were on the same team at Sanofi, but I think they call themselves Sanofi these days. Blueprint Oncology focuses on clarifying complex science. And we do that for both medical affairs teams and commercial teams. And the gap that we're really trying to address is technology and drug development is really moving faster than the lexicon and the understanding. As you know, there are so many different ways to describe a mutation and a biomarker. And, you know, our job is to help our clients explain their science 
in a more clear way um, for the appropriate audience. Well, Lisa, let's let's double click on that a little bit. Uh, the you know we're coming out of a a big pandemic that's disrupted, you know, many industries. We know that even before the pandemic, the digital IQ of pharma was low. They were slow adopters of digital. Can you, can you tell me what are some of the new approaches that you have seen or that you've been helping your pharma clients with for medical communications, especially in this post pandemic era? It's a great question, Chris, and it's certainly evolving even now um, as hopefully we're coming out of the pandemic, but the key here is to really understand what the audience needs. And um, this is somewhat nascent in terms of the data that we can collect from different sources for targets and, and how to target them or send them information that might be in a format or a way that they want to receive it. And it's a lot different than just a bunch of emails to a target list. Now it's trying to customize that approach and address the needs. Or even if you have a better understanding of what the gaps or the barriers are from market research or other um, mechanisms uh, based on that type of understanding, trying to address what those are to hopefully convert or make people feel more confident or comfortable in treatment decisions. Um, so it's the key here is really being able to not have a one size fits all approach and using the digital platform to address that. So what offerings do you have, you know, cause I know that, you know, the one thing, um, Lisa, you and Jan have been really great as you've been really evolving your offerings. Um, and, what what do you have or what's in development maybe just to tease our audience a little bit um you know it's a competitive space you know what what sort of offerings sort of give you that competitive edge in medical communications i think first and foremost you know the like i said that when i was talking about the reason for blueprint being in existence is having that keen understanding of science and how to break it down um to understandable bite-sized pieces for the appropriate audiences is one of the special sauces, I'll call it, um, of our company. And then having how to parse that out and, and working with our clients, they are also, you know, talking about parsing it out and having a customized approach, working with our clients to address specific issues that they've been able to drill down on, even in specific regions or target populations, um, communities even, um, so it's more um, using what we know from a data perspective and having that customized approach. And when I say communities, you know, if it's a specific community that might be affected by a certain disease, um, how do we approach them um, based, you know, even talking about social media, um, different GPOs or groups that they might be working with um, and targeting our educational efforts, if it's an educational type initiative um, to that community is, is one of the areas that we're competitive. What were some of the um, major medical communication pain points that you've seen when you, with the clients that you've worked with in their new product commercialization and oncology? Are there themes that have evolved around pain points that your clients experience um, as they prepare for launch? Great question, Chris. There, there are pain points that some have been in existence um, since you and I've been in pharma, and it's 
you know, different functions, understanding what the other function is doing and having a, a coordinated approach for, for launch. And that is one of the areas that we help our clients, um, particularly, you know, for an example around that is with insight generation and making sure that each of the functions understand um, questions that are being asked, questions that have been answered and what the actions are that are coming out of those. So I think that that's been um, something that we've been trying to help our clients have a more, a better integration, even for themselves internally. And um, it's hard, you know, because each of the functions have their own remit and it's, you know, more than a full-time job to, to try and focus on that. And, and that's our job as an agency partner to help our clients be more efficient, um, understand um, what the needs are from the market and parse it together or help package it together so they can create, you know, decide what the correct action is and take that action. And um, coming up, um, coming out of the pandemic, um, it's been a challenge again, internally for our clients to understand how they are working. If you think about it, um, you know, even during the pandemic and a hiring type of process, our clients have had to hire people agnostic to geography. People aren't going into the home office any longer and they're having to figure out how to work together. And um, we understand that because we were formed as a remote company um, before the pandemic. And so we're using Zoom in 2016 before it was cool. And we understand um, how to get work done in, in that type of um, environment. And so helping our clients understand how to work together, you know, again, these are internally fo focused initiatives, but also helping them understand coming out of this pandemic, how do we have relevant focused, again, going back to that targeted approach, uh, tactics that help drive their business, whether it's in a launch setting or, or post-launch setting. Yeah. You talked a bit, Lisa, about talent and people and, um, you know, some of the challenges that, uh, pharma has with that. I mean, do you think organizations have the right people and processes in place to help really drive the transformation necessary for content creation and delivery? Or, I mean, I know that's part of the reason why, you know, you're probably brought in into these organizations, but like, what are you seeing in terms of sort of, you know, the talent and process within organizations? What are some of the challenges there that, that you've seen? Part of the problem is they're pulled in so many different directions. Yeah. So they have so much on their plates. And I think that's why we exist to be able to provide the end product to people in a timely, concise, um, focused manner. You know, I think it's just difficult for them because so, so much is on their plates, no matter which department they're in. Yeah, no, we, we know that well, right? I mean, I'm sure they're sitting in Zoom meetings all day and then having yeah. to do their work at night. So so there's definitely um, a lack of time is, like, I think, the biggest problem. But, Jan, I mean, you know, what's what are you seeing from a higher level in the industry? You know, what are some of the main challenges or what are what's keeping the, your clients up at night in the pharmaceutical industry? What's worrying them? I think it depends on, one, the size of client, uh, what Worries big pharma is very different than what worries biotech or mid-sized pharma. It depends on the where they are in their product development. Part of the if they're early stage and they're small, they're worried about 
trials accruing. They're worried about funding. They're worried about data points. So they have additional funding. And we all know how um, pivotal a lot of those data points can be in, in staying alive in the, the product development. And the same can be true a lot of times in big pharma. You know, they're looking at even, you know, post-commercialization, they're looking at, are they, you know, meeting their mark in terms of their financial goals that will contribute to additional funding for additional trials, trying to make sure that they're educating the physicians in a way that will have the appropriate patient receive the appropriate therapy. So there's success. I mean, our, I think everyone's end goal obviously is the patient lives longer and better. And, and you're right, Jan. I mean, you know, we, we should think, be thinking about, you know, sort of big pharma who has all the resources and people and so forth differently from like emerging biotech companies. And I'll come back to that in a moment, but before we go there, what opportunities do you think your pharma clients are missing? I mean, you must be sitting in a place where you like say, gee, I, I wish they could just do, here's an opportunity. I really believe they're missing out on. What, what would you say that? It, what is it? What is it? Personally, I feel that a lot of times they miss educating people where they want to be educated. And what I mean about that is being able to embrace newer technologies, newer platforms in a way that will um, meet the needs of the, the, the target audience. If I'm a physician, I try to always put myself in the position of the audience. And if I'm a physician or a nurse, I have 24 hours in my day, just like you do. And so I spend 12 hours a day, whether it's in clinic, seeing patients, uh, working on paperwork, and then I go home. And I, whether I have children or not, I still need a life outside of work, but I also need to stay on top of all the data. So I probably listen to podcasts and things of that sort on the way home in my car or on the train, whichever way they commute. And I think that a lot of times pharma is so risk averse that, and with good reason, don't get me wrong. Um, but I do feel like there are times where they could take a leap. They could look at the different platforms, target a message. So it's impactful. It is informative. It gets to the end product of a better life for the patient. And uh, to be able to do that with a limited resources, limited time, I think that makes it even more important to meet them where they learn. Yeah, Jan. And I think, you know, it's been well documented um, since the pandemic that we're, we're going, we're not going to go back to the pre-pandemic era of sort of the traditional reach and frequency model um, in-person selling. We know that our customers are telling us that they really like this sort of virtual engagement. And so um, companies need to really figure out how to integrate their omni-channel offerings. And I think that's really where the struggle is. Could you maybe share a client case study anonymously, of course, on maybe where you've helped a client overcome an HCP communication challenge, maybe through one of your creative or innovative offerings or technology? Sure. I'm happy to, Chris. Um, we worked with a large pharma client 
The difference in this case study is there were multiple functions involved. And um, so I felt like we addressed the needs in the organization and in a lot of different levels, but from marketing actually to sales um, and market research. And we helped them parse out some market research data that they had um, for prescribing barriers and worked with um, sales leadership and regional marketers to really focus on targeted areas across the country about specific prescribing barriers and developed an educational initiative um, with regional thought leaders specific to those pockets that were identified. Um, and the content that we developed was in partnership with those thought leaders. So they felt like they had some ownership. It was in their own voice and they were able to deliver it to the other HCPs in that area. And um, the format took place. Um, you know, we had video, some live presentation and um, some leave behind materials that were um, they were the leave behinds were very rich in terms of including um, key quotes and um, thoughts from the, the regional thought leader. And we found the, the results. We actually had some metrics on the, the results of this initiative and it was well received. And it's always hard to tell what really does move the needle, you know, because there were obviously other things going on, but there was an uptick in, in sales in all the, the specific pockets that we delivered this education. That's a great example of, you know, just trying to uh, evolve and, and, and do some things differently to, to make an impact and in, in shaping the brand and the market. I, I know that um, your agency is exclusively focused in oncology and uh, in hematology, medical communications. And, you know, we're seeing so much pipeline activity right now in the cell and gene therapy space, immunotherapy space. So I, I just thought maybe in the last few minutes here, we could talk a little bit about the commercialization challenges that may be slightly different, different audiences, perhaps. So what advice do you have for, for biotech leaders about communicating the science for advanced biologics or regenerative medicines like cell cell therapy products? All starts with having a very good understanding of what your targets need to know. Hearing from them where they think the gaps are in knowledge, um, you know, from their peers to others that they work with in terms of caring for patients and um, not assuming that you know exactly what needs to be communicated. There might be um, a knowledge base already there. And it's, you know, the goal is to address the gaps and make sure that they're connected and that the target audience knows exactly how to explain the the therapy to either peers or to patients. I mean, there are a lot of different levels and um, and understand how to make a treatment decision um, appropriately and make sure the staff and a practice understands what their role is in making that treatment decision. So um, it really starts from a, a solid understanding of where the communication and education gaps are and how they're going to address them. So I guess in many ways that your overall process for storytelling and creative development maybe is agnostic of sort of modality then, Lisa, right? Am I, is that a fair summary? I think it's a, a great summary, Chris. <laughs> um, I think it can be applied to, you know, targeted therapies, you know, in oncology. Yeah. It's, um, you know, like I was, you know, and cell and gene therapy, same thing. Technology and drug development are, are moving faster than our lexicon and our understanding. 
how do we not slow it down, but break it down um, so folks are able to contextualize easier? Um, hopefully, that's our goal, and um, understand um, how these new developments fit within their practice, their thinking, and their communication. And their patients' lives. Yes. And things are much more complicated, like you said. So there's a lot of different data points that need to be communicated, not just about the drug, but potentially about the diagnostic, about the follow-through, about the follow-up that needs to happen. So it's very different than it used to be. Jan, you make a great point because in this model for cell therapy, uh, patients need to be treated in a in a special authorized treatment center and not in the community setting. And um, I'm wondering, I, I mean, I believe that in the future that there may be more patient directed communications and education to raise awareness, you know, is that an area where you've had a lot of experience or do you do, so, you know, help with some of those kinds of communications out to patients or are you mainly HCP focused at the moment? Chris, I, I agree with your assessment. I think that patients, I think the world is just, becoming better informed and, um, and patients want more information. More information is accessible now to patients. And although um, patient-centered communications aren't the core of our business, we're starting to do a little bit more. And our work is more centered around clinical trials and, and patient education about them. Um, but um, we think that over time, we're going to need to become more knowledgeable and adept about how to communicate to patients on all levels, you know, about these therapies, just as we are with HCPs. Um, as you said, we're, you know, we focus mostly on HCPs and, and feel that's really a, a strong, it's a strength of ours, um, but leveraging that process and knowledge that we have for HCPs and, and tailoring it to patients is a, a big opportunity for, for companies like ours and for patients. Yeah, I agree. I think it's certainly the sort of the future trajectory, you know, we're moving in that direction. I think we'll see more of that, um, especially for this modality, but, and maybe and remember Chris, patient yeah. education is not just for the patients, you know, it's also for the caregivers, for the family, for whoever is assisting that patient, especially in oncology and hematology with those decisions, with the assistance that, that needs to happen with these patients. So there's a lot of people involved in that decision and the need to educate all of them is a, a challenge for a lot of companies. I feel, uh, especially if you cannot adapt to the new way of learning and to the different digital technologies, platforms, things of that sort that everyone is used to using and to finding out information. I personally think the biggest struggle is where, how do you direct them to the correct information? Because there is so much misinformation out there. Not only do you have to educate, we have to break through all the clutter and the, the junk that's out there. So uh, that's a great point. Where did you get your opinion on when do you think is the appropriate time? When would you want to come in and work with clients at what stage uh, to sort of develop those scientific pillars that sort of drive the strategic communications planning and then implementation? It's a good question, Chris. We, we want to get in as early as possible. And we have, and in some cases, you know, working with folks in um, a clinical development capacity, but in terms of developing scientific communications, it, it really starts 
as early as your publications, because what you want to do is be able to establish those corporate communication objectives and and pull them through everything from publications to press releases um, from an IR perspective. So it can start you know, T36, you know, um, you know, really early. Um, however, certainly understand it's a, a question of budget and how spend is managed, you know, especially with early stage. And, um, and so we partner with clients as, as little or as much as, as they want us to partner with them in these early stages. But if the funding and the thinking is aligned to start as early as possible because the goal is to have consistent messages pulled through all company communications as early as possible. Any last uh, words of advice or guidance that you would have if you're speaking to your, you know, your biopharma clients, uh, really about launch preparations and, and what, what they should be thinking about, you know, in preparing for a successful launch? Probably it starts earlier than you think. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, that and I I think people get very focused on today and what's happening today, this week, this month. And there needs to be a longer term thought process, which can be difficult when with the pressures that they're under and incorporating those long term thoughts. Um, it's difficult to predict the the future, but you almost have to be a little, little bit, uh, what is it, a soothsayer <laughs> to try to figure out what's going to happen. Uh, and not only in the market, but in the patient population, you know, things of that sort, especially in the U.S. because we're such genetic mutts. So. Well, well, Jan, you're right, because I think it's only getting more complex. I mean, launching a pharmaceutical product has always been complex, but our external, our customers, uh, the, the, there's more stakeholders with, you know, payers in the U S getting more and more involved. You're seeing even in the tumor types that, that we have, there's no more really open space. There's the tumor types are very competitive. There's multiple options. And so to really differentiate, differentiate yourself, you really need to have a compelling story. And this is why I think it's even what you're saying resonates so much more now today than it maybe ever has. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's not the shotgun approach anymore. It's a very targeted approach. And with that comes, you know, personally, obviously, I feel education is is key to that and key to the understanding. And again, targeting the right patient with the right therapy. Um, you're not going to have you don't just have breast cancer anymore. You have a specific type and there's what, 16 or something like that type of breast cancer now. So it's it's a lot more complicated. And if we think that, imagine what the community oncologist is trying to keep up with. So there's a a very big need, again, to meet people where they need to learn. Lisa, we're going to let you have the final word here. (laughs) (laughs) I think, Chris, you know, in your question, you really said the key word and it hasn't changed over time is prepare. And Jan, it's like you said, you know, trying not only to think about what's going to happen on, you know, T zero, um, but what happens after that and how plans are going to evolve and adapt and how you're going to check in and make sure things are going to plan. And if they're not, how you're going to pivot and um, address the needs that are arising. So preparation is key. And I think that that's 
you know, has, has always been the case, but I think there are, we all are getting pulled in so many different directions that it's important to really keep the focus. Um, so the preparation can be there. I'm confident that your clients are in very capable hands. Uh, if they want to learn more about blueprint oncology, or if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? <laughs> Feel free to check out our website, um, blueprintoncology.com. And it's blue without the E. So just B-L-U, printoncology.com. Um, we'd love to hear from anyone who would like to know more about our services. Well, great. I want to just thank you both. Always great talking to you. And, and uh, thanks for the insightful discussion today. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Chris. You Thanks, too. Chris. You too. Thanks for having us. Thank you all for listening today. And if you have feedback, please leave a comment or email me at chris at bblsconsulting.com. We at Boulder Biotech Launch Specialists help biotech leaders enhance their strategic new product positioning and communications while improving operational launch readiness. We've developed the 360 Launch Accelerator Framework to help address your launch readiness pain points. If you're ready to see how our 30-day launch diagnostic can help your organization, please contact me at chris at bblsconsulting.com to schedule a discovery call.